You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Hey, hey, Mark E. Laughlin here, and on this edition of Bible Prophecy Daily Podcast, you're going to get some uh, commentary on the book of Revelation. This is going to be uh, chapter one. We're going to focus on chapter one here. I'm going to try to get through the whole chapter, but give you, hopefully, some big picture things, some uh, things that uh, will help you understand the rest of Revelation uh, better and um, will probably clear up some popular teaching that... um, contradicts chapter one of Revelation. So that's the idea, is to give you kind of a director's perspective, a storyteller's perspective of it. We're hopefully trying to zoom in and understand the mind of God and the story that he has given us. It's just phenomenal that he has declared the end from the beginning, and he does nothing without telling his prophets ahead of time. Uh, that, That means we have a lot of work to do to look into what God has done, but he has made it available. He's promised that it will be um, uh, extra available to those of us who are close to his return. Um, one of the things you'll find out about uh, uh, commentaries and Bible prophecy books is that as we get closer to events, they become clearer to everyone. You know, um, the regathering of Israel in 1948, uh, the, all of these things that happen, just even understanding wars and rumors of wars, um, having a couple of world wars helped bring that into focus. Um, but as we get closer, uh, I remember starting to present Revelation at different churches um, uh, mid-90s and just uh, the comprehensive, uh, comprehending that there could be totally, uh, the buying and selling could be totally controlled from something that was on your on your hand or forehead. That was a <laughs> that was science fiction. That was James T. Kirk with the uh, with his little uh, cell phone, flip phone, uh, wireless people. That was just sci-fi. Sci-fi. So um, things get clearer as we get closer. So we should expect to to see uh, God revealing, and and He has promised too in Daniel. He's promised to reveal um, uh, the book of Daniel and the the, the teaching about the end times to uh, to a greater extent. For those who are going to have to travel through them, and so we should, we should all expect to uh, to have to re-examine what we learned uh, to make sure that it it is fitting with all of Scripture, and it is uh, uh, fitting with what is happening. We if we're locked into certain things, um, uh, we may miss uh, God showing us. The ultimate fulfillment of things, and and that that indeed was the big mistake, that was very common not just with the Pharisees but with the uh, the apostles and the disciples. They were locked into uh, the Messiah coming to rule and reign right then, and it took a while for them to uh, get the mindset that Peter had at the end. You know, the God's hey, God's got the perfect timing. He's being patient. The, you know, uh, a day is a thousand years with as the Lord with the day. He he understood it better what God was doing. He he got the director's perspective, which gave him patience because he knew he knew where they were in the timeline of God's story. And so that's what we're going to try to 
um, I'm going to try to help you with uh, because I've traveled down and had to had to quote this book probably, you know, I've probably performed it live 700 times plus now over 25 years. And I've, um, uh, I've been asked just about every question or probably ask it myself. And I've had to chew on different things for, for years to try to make some sense out of it. And, and I'm, and, and it's, you never, you're never going to get to the bottom of scripture. Um, uh, you'll get close when it happens, but there is a, uh, it is deep water. So no matter how much you know, you are very aware that you know a sliver of the reality of things, and you're thankful for being able to see that by God's grace. So that's what we're going to try to do today. Uh, you look at chapter 1 of Revelation. Uh, I'll read uh, a verse, and then I'll try to give you some commentary on it. <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Now, right there, we know what it is. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the unveiling of Christ to the world. Those words are perusia, the appearing, the appearing of Christ, the return of our Lord to rule and reign the world. That's how, that is, that's up front what it's about. It, so it is about an appearing it's not about a secret appearing, as we'll see in uh, some of the uh, verses uh, that we go through here. But it is about the day and the, the events around Jesus's return. And it's to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Now, that's interesting. Your context is he's in prison in Patmos, exiled. Uh, believers are being persecuted all around the Roman Empire. And he's told to send this letter out to seven churches in the in in basically in the province of Asia modern day Turkey now we'll we'll talk about why they may have sent why the emphasis on Turkey very interesting but everything you're reading i may not have the answers for uh but there are answers for them don't just assume god put something in here that's not important um, if you have a question, you can email me, go to my website, actsoftheword.com, and uh, I will I will go back and forth with you and we'll try to dig it out uh, because that's how I learn. Somebody, somebody, God showed it to somebody and they show it to me and I go, aha, you know, we, we realize God wrote what he meant and meant what he said, you know, and that's exactly how it is. So that's, that's how we can help each other. But uh, I, I'm, I'm doing this not to say, hey, I know what every verse here means. Here's my interpretation. No, I'm just going to share what I've learned from other scriptures about Revelation because it is it is so keyed to all of the rest of the Bible. It's like a movie where all of the foreshadowing and the information you have about the characters in the final scenes comes together and you get the, oh, yeah. But you have to watch the beginning of the movie to have all that set up and to know what it really means and why it's important that this happened because God is doing something he promised uh, that we've been waiting for him to fulfill. So all of that, it, all of that said is that's why a director's commentary, that's why this is called a director's commentary because we're going to try to get in his mind as opposed to, um, and, and answer simple big questions as opposed to minutia, uh, you know, um, uh, things that are interesting but really don't give us any insight into the characters or the character 
uh, of God or the sovereignty really of him. So, so that the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, probably Gabriel, that's just a guess, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. So God picks a, a faithful witness, a, a disciple, um, to be able to share this information so you're reading this and you're in one of the churches in Asia, you know, it's the legit thing. God, uh, gave Jesus this information. Jesus gives it to Gabriel. Gabriel goes to John and shows him this pretty clear line of, uh, authority and effectiveness. It's authentic. That's the point. So, It says in verse three, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. Now that is a pretty heavy verse. It is a promise that those who read aloud revelation are blessed, are going to be blessed in a state of blessedness. Those who hear it and keep what is written in it are blessed. Because the time is near. To keep what is written in it, to do what Jesus says to do in these seven letters and in the rest of the book, he's giving instructions on how we should be reacting to what is going on constantly throughout the book of Revelation. So we can't hear it and keep it if we're not going to be around when it happens. Yeah, I'll repeat that. That kind of excludes the church escaping everything in Revelation after chapter 4 which is a popular pre-tribulation approach to dividing the text. This verse contradicts that. It says, you're going to be blessed if you hear all of the book of Revelation, not just the first three, three chapters, and you keep it because the time is near. So you're blessed because you are um, listening and you're taking it to heart. You're not saying, oh, it'll all pan out and we won't be here anyway. There, There's no room for that. That is not, <clears throat> you look at every parable that Jesus taught, there was no credit for taking God's word lightly. There was no credit for, oh, you're taking it too literally. I mean, there's no, there was no credit for you're not taking it. You should take that lighter. You should not listen. You, that, that doesn't, um, that doesn't apply to you. Jesus never said that, never indicated it, never rewarded anybody for, um, thinking that. So it's, it's not a good, when God speaks, we all need to listen. Nobody's going to be in heaven getting commended because, oh, they didn't pay attention to that part of scripture. That's just not going to happen. So there's no record of it, at least in scripture. So, um, we need to hear and heed and the words are, to show his servants the things that must take place. We're his servants. The church, we're his servants. That's a description of the saints. He's showing his servants the things that must take soon take place. The context is, you need to know this, and I need to know this, because the time is near. Um, so listen up. Assume everything is for you. Assume that God, just like every other moment in your life and in the world, God has planned it from the foundation of the creation of the world. And he wants you to hear this because he has things he has 
already planned for you to do good works. And you need to be motivated and understand what the director is up to so that you can play your part accurately. Okay, chapter chapter 1, verse 4. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. So there you have a, this is coming from God. God sitting on the throne, the Holy Spirit and Jesus. And we're reminded when he mentions Jesus that he is the faithful witness the firstborn, the, the word, literally, the firstborn of the dead, the, fir- the Christ is the first fruits of, of those who are going to be resurrected. He is the firstborn, um, Colossians says, so that he might have preeminence in everything. He's the head of the body, the church, and he's the firstborn. So we're following him. And he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. And that's a good point for uh, John, uh, the Holy Spirit, to write here because things appear to be out of control. The evil, uh, it does appear to grow to its height during this ultimate fulfillment of this. And that is a great encouragement to remember that Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth. He's in charge. Good stuff. Uh, Going on, it says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen to that. God made us to be a kingdom, and he made us to be priests to serve his God and Father. This is his plan for us. We've got to praise God for that. We don't deserve any of that. Great stuff. Um, and it's it's to give people grace and peace. Here's the news. God's planned this whole thing, and here's our part in it. Um, here's the part we play. We're a kingdom and priests, and we're his servants. We're getting clues to our role. Good stuff. Um, he says, to hi- uh, 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 behold, he is coming with the clouds. This is verse 7 of chapter 1. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so. Amen. Now, that's a problem if you're pre-trib, because you have to say, well, this is when he comes on the clouds at Armageddon. This is his third coming. But John is emphasizing, he's not telling, he's writing to believers, to churches, and he's not, for him to not tell them when Jesus is coming, which is what the book is about, to skip the part that their favorite part or to not mention it is very peculiar. He is going, he is saying that when Jesus comes, every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him, even the dead will see him. Every eye. Not just the dead in Christ, but the dead that died apart from Christ. People who pierced him, the the Jewish people, uh, the Roman people, all, every eye will see him. How can every eye on earth see him? That is a coming that is not in secret. It, it, you know, think about that. That's pretty, that's pretty deep. Every, the, the tribes of the earth will mourn on account of him. And that, that is a repeat of language in Matthew that says that when, when the Son of Man appears, it'll be like the lightning that, that's the, the sign of Jesus' appearance um, is very obvious uh, from one end of the heavens to the other. 
as a contrast to he's in this room or right over here, he's out in the desert. No, he is, everybody's going to see him at the same time. And the earth, the dwellers of the earth, people who have not been saved, who have not accepted Jesus as their Messiah, are going to mourn because of him. And the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the nation of Israel is going to mourn because they're going to realize that he really is who he said he is. Now, Jesus has a whole schedule of things he's going to do um, uh, when he appeared, after he appears. There's a whole bunch of stuff, and it takes more than a day or two. So uh, we'll, we'll look at that as we get into more of this. I'm going to try to finish up this chapter. It says, um, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Um, what a statement to make. Is this what Jesus says when the sky opens up and everybody sees him? It could be. It could be a quote of what he says at his second coming, at his appearance. Pretty, pretty heavy stuff. Um, uh, verse nine of chapter one, uh, goes on, uh, and John describes, Hey, says I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation Wait a minute. He leaves. He used the word tribulation. Oops. That's a problem if you're pre-trib because you're not supposed to be around in any tribulation. Well, um, I guess that must be the tribulation that the churches at the time were experiencing. You can't we, see the problem with scripture, uh, doing that with scripture is you have to be consistent. You can't just decide because you want it to fit your particular eschat- eschatology that, uh, even though he used this word that you know Jesus used to indicate a specific time, even though you know the whole book of Revelation is about that specific time, you can't just decide that in this case, it's not about that time. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. You, you have to be consistent. you got to look at the use of the word. Uh, you, we can assume, uh, based on the biblical evidence, that the tribulation that, G, that John is talking about is the same tribulation that Jesus taught John about and the same tribulation that the whole book of Revelation is about. He's saying, I'm your brother and partner in this. Uh, He's partnering with us because God's using him to, we're reading the words he wrote down. Um, And in the kingdom, we're all part of the kingdom and the patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. Whoa, wait a minute. Patient endurance? Sounds like tribulation, right? He is calling the readers of this to patiently endure. Now they were being persecuted in real time, but the ultimate fulfillment of this is going to be when Jesus is revealed. So he's telling believers ultimately that when Jesus is revealed, we will need patience and endurance for tribulation. Pretty heavy stuff. Um, it says, um, um, the patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. I was on the island of Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He's saying, hey, look, I was being, I'm being persecuted right now. I'm writing this in the midst of persecution so that you'll be able to survive when the major, this major persecution comes right before Jesus returns. So he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book. And send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. 
Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. Now, I'm going to stop right there. This is a vision of what Jesus looks like now. You know, um, you're thinking little baby, you're thinking Jesus on the cross. No, this is this is our Lord right now, and we should have the same response when we even think of him. He falls at his feet as though dead. He faints. It's overwhelming. His face is like the sun shining in all his... Can you imagine looking at somebody's face? And it's like the sun shining on. Yeah, you would fall down and faint. Your eyes would hurt. You would be, you would be blown away. Um, but that is, uh, who is this Jesus? Who is this God we serve? You know, the the uh, the ruler of all creation, the Creator Himself, is standing in front of the image, the perfect image, exact replication of God the Father, standing in front of John, in the in the form of a risen Christ. Yeah, you're going to be on your knees. That's going to be the the traditional response is to fall on your face, and and worship. Um, he falls. He he faints, and then he says, "But he laid his." right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Well, where do you think he got those? Well, we know from the gospels that he went down to death and Hades. He went down and preached to the souls there and preached to the dominions that were there and to the angels that had been locked up from the flood that were there. So we know he went down and got those keys because we know who had the key to death before that. So Jesus has this authority that he has taken back when Adam lost it in the garden. And he's saying, look, look, I just, I, I've been there, down there. I got this. And let me tell you what's going to happen. So very powerful image of uh, letting John know, hey, I'm the living one. I am the whole source of all creation. And I even have the keys of death and Hades now. So you don't have to be afraid. I, I got this covered, John, is what he's, <laughs> what he's saying. Uh, great stuff. He says, write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. Now, one of the one of the ways this is interpreted a lot of times is to try to say that this is an outline of the book and that is that sticks with our understanding of beginning middle and end which is a western way of storytelling um but that is not what it's meant to be and i'll show you how that works as we get into the chapters and how you'll you'll be able to see that the way that revelation is written down uh in a story is very similar to the way the gospels were written and the way jesus used uh, the way God uses to tell a story, the 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 biblical way that we um, uh, that He reveals Himself through story, as opposed to the Western way. So, good stuff. He says, "As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches." Wow, the church in its perfection, seven. That's a number of perfection. Um, seven lampstands and seven stars angels of these churches 
indicating the angels are looking after the church. Think about that. God is controlling the angels who look after the church. During, he's always watching them. And they are lampstands there to shed light to the earth. That's kind of the purpose of the church, right? We're supposed to be a bright light. He puts it on a stand as opposed to putting it under uh, under a desk. So we are we are the light of the world and God has his angels watching over us and in this time of darkness that's coming up right before he comes we are supposed to not lose our light. And um when I wrap up uh, uh, this and go to chapter 2 uh on the next podcast um We'll get into that because we're going to get into the letters to the churches. We're going to talk about, I always wondered, why did um, God pick these seven churches uh, and why are they all in, in Central Asia, in Turkey? What, is that, uh, what does that tell us about the end times, of the ultimate fulfillment of this, um, the, the ultimate context? Now, we know these were actual churches, and we know that they were in these actual places, and there were people there, and they were experiencing things that they would have read this letter and going, okay, that's good advice for me right now. We know that. that that's, that's in keeping with how God reveals himself uh, biblically. He gives something for the prophet to say to people, but we don't realize it's prophetic about the future until later. And we can get in the habit of assuming that God just had that guy. I'm going to give you these words so you can write it down so they can just be used once right now. God has got moves. So he he is not giving them these words so that they can be used once right now. They are uh, the purpose of them is to reveal who Christ is and what God's story is. They have a big purpose, not a small one. Uh, and so they're going. there's that repeat fulfillment of prophecy. So great stuff. Hey, look, if you, um, if you want to stay on to this, keep listening to Bible Prophecy Daily podcast. I'll be trying to post a couple shows uh, that are on the commentary, uh, director's commentary of Revelation uh, going forward this year. It might take me all year to get through every chapter. So um, we'll be looking at chapter two next time. You can reach me if you have any questions at marquee at actsoftheword.com or just go to the website actsoftheword.com and I will try to get back to you. And if you have a question, I'll try, I'll do my best to answer it or uh, point you to a, a, a decent biblical source or give you some scripture that might uh, shine a light on it. But until he comes, Maranatha. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 